Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay and Stevie Nichol here in the studio. And we're actually going to start tonight by talking about everything that happened with PSG's game against Real Sociedad because L'Equipe this morning telling everybody about the unblocker Mbappe breaking the deadlock in the second half helping his side on their way to that 2-0 win so all smooth sailing in Paris things looking great sounds a bit sarcastic yeah I'm being a bit sarcastic because <laughs> then came the news this morning that not only has he decided to leave PSG which obviously Julian Laurent told us about 10 days ago He's actually informed the PSG president of this news. So we're covering all angles tonight. We've got Frank in Paris. We've got Julian Laurent, who was at the game for PSG against Real Sociedad. And we've got Alex Kirkland from Madrid as well. So we'll start with you then, Jules. Tell us the latest developments in this drama. Yeah, well, we were told today that on Tuesday, Kylian Mbappe uh, announced his decision to leave PSG at the end of the season to Nasser Al-Khalaifi, the PSG president, to the owners as well. Uh, personally, he did it on Tuesday. So before the Real Sociedad game, we we kind of knew even ten days ago when we when we broke the story about him deciding to leave that the announcement to the club certainly not officially to the rest of the world, but certainly personally to the club would arrive pretty quickly after after the news time breaking, and it was done on Tuesday. Uh, I think PSG expected the news anyway. They, 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 they knew it, but it's always good to hear it directly from, from the player himself. So now, before there's an official announcement publicly, they will need to sort out a few things. There's a, there's a contract. Even if Mbappe is a free agent at the end of his current contract, there's still a lot of things to sort out in terms of the bonuses that he's waving off. Uh, there's, a, there's quite a lot of details. So I think it will take a bit more time now to have a, an official statement from Kylian and the club, like a joint one, to announce the, the separation, if you want, at the end of the season. But, but the first step was always to let, the, to let PSG know first. And that's what he did on Tuesday. So where's he going, Jules? Well, I think we all know what his preference is. He wants to go to Madrid. Madrid won him. There has been no agreement yet. There's a contract offer on the table. They will need to discuss a lot of things, including image rights, for example, which I think could become a problem. Also, the Olympics in Paris in August, in end, end of July, beginning of August, that Mbappé really wants to be part of. But that would mean for his new club a lot of things, obviously, in terms of pre-season, friendly matches, getting ready for the new season, all of that. So that's, again, something that they would have to agree on and decide. But really, even if is, uh, Liverpool is a club that he really likes, for example, right now we know that Real Madrid is his favourite destination. We know that they have the money to sign him, to recruit him, which I'm not really sure right now Liverpool have. So it's, it's not impossible that he, he ends up somewhere else, but really Real Madrid is the likeliest of destinations. Alex, are the Madridistas ready to believe it this time? <laughs> 
maybe, just maybe, yeah. Look, this feels like another significant step along the path that ends with Mbappe being a Real Madrid player, doesn't it? And it's being viewed as such here in Spain. This is the story that everybody is talking about right now on the late night uh, radio shows. This is the the only subject of, of discussion. Like Jules says, there's also an awareness and recognition that there are a number of further steps that need to be taken before he is officially a Real Madrid player, namely that he accepts uh, this offer from from Real Madrid and that they iron out all the all the small print on some of those issues that, that Jules was just talking about. But fundamentally, look, if Mbappe wants to come here and we, we, we think that he does and Real Madrid want him and we, we know that they do, all of those little obstacles and details are things that I think can be sorted out along the way. So yes, it's a significant step. Yes, uh, the fans here and everybody here has been burnt in the past. Yes, we've been down this road before multiple times, but but this time it's it feels different and it's starting to feel increasingly different. And it feels like this time there's going to be a, a different conclusion to what we saw in 2021 and 2022 and 2023. And this time he is going to end up at the Bernabeu and that is hugely exciting. Are you glad to see it almost over, Frank? A decision made? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's about time, you know, and and I think uh, yeah, it's uh, the right time to uh, to to make the announcement and uh, to please everybody, especially the 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 Real Madrid, and to relieve maybe uh, uh, some people at Paris Saint Germain to exactly know what they where they stand and uh, and see for them in the future uh, if they have to hire uh, another striker, for example. So yeah, it's time for for us also to know. Uh, where our fantastic Kylian Mbappe is gonna is gonna land, and uh, and I'm happy if he goes to Real Madrid. I think it's a the time for him after serving very well, and he proved again yesterday that he does the job, that he's professional, uh, but he's, uh, he has the right to just think about himself now, and uh, and uh, I'm fine with that. Let's take a look at a possible eleven for Real Madrid with Kylian Mbappe in it. Here we go, Stevie. Is this a team that's going to dominate La Liga for the next decade? 100%. They're going to dominate this year without them. So how dominant are they going to be with them? Uh, plus they'll get everybody fit. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is bad news for, for, for the rest of La Liga. Bad news for everybody else who's got their eyes on the Champions League because, you know, with that 11, there's no question. Even when Man City around, You've got to look at that side and think that they're going to take some beating. Is he going to be annoyed about where he's playing if he doesn't get to play where he wants to, positionally-wise, Jules? No, I don't think so. I think he, he's known now for a long time that with Vini at the club, and even, even when the team was playing in the 4-3-3 formation, that the left-hand side was Vini's, and rightly so, like the number seven is Vini's too, uh, and that... He would play probably centrally or maybe on the right, like when he first moved to PSG. And, and there was Neymar and Cavani also playing in that front three. He also knows that the fluidity that a Real Madrid front line could have with Bellingham, with Vinicius, with Rodrigo, with Hendrik, all of that, he also knows that. So he's been playing for the last four months as a number nine centrally for PSG under Luis Enrique. So I, I think he knows he knows the deal. I don't think this could be a problem or an obstacle. And again, like like uh, like we've been saying, I, th I think the even the little negotiations or some bigger ones like image rights, which I think image rights is something very important to Real Madrid as a club, but also to Kylian as a as an individual. That would be that would be iron out. And and again, similar with his position on the pitch. What I think also take 
took a big part in him deciding to leave PSG to go to Real Madrid, well, hopefully, is the fact that Carlo Ancelotti pledged his future as well. Because remember, two years ago, or even last year, they were that, you know, we were not sure what Carlo would do. Would he go to Brazil? Would he not? Would he sign a new extension, a new contract, an extension? Would he not? All of that. Now, Kylian knows that until 2026, at least, Carlo will be there. He loves Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, who doesn't, to be fair? And, and that also gives him some certainties coming into next season. He knows the players who will be there. He knows that, for example, a player like Alfonso Davis is also on a short list of Real Madrid. So he knows the direction of the club. He knows who's going to be in charge. He knows who are the key players. He knows the system. He knows all of that. And I think, again, that, that was a, a big reason why he decided that it was the right time for him to leave PSG to, to go to Real Madrid. Yeah, Alex, like Jules is saying, it seems to be the perfect timing if Madrid is his destination for Mbappe. Yeah, you look at this Real Madrid team, this new young Real Madrid team with Bellingham, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Chuameni, Camavinga, Mbappe. feels like he fits right into to that generation, right? All those players I've just mentioned are players between the age of, of 20 and, and 24. Mbappe's a little bit older than that, but he really could be a figurehead or one of the figureheads of this new team alongside Bellingham, alongside Vinicius. Um, a couple of things I think it's worth pointing out in terms of where he might fit in. Uh, Real Madrid's system, their formations changed a little bit over the course of the season. Over the last few weeks, Ancelotti's been playing with a kind of a, a front three with Vinicius on one side, Rodrigo on the other, and Bellingham through the middle. And you quite easily see Mbappe fitting into that maybe instead of Rodrigo and a, and a front three of, uh, of Bellingham, Vinicius and Mbappe is, is pretty mouth-watering. The other thing, in terms of Vinicius Jr., because a lot of people, as, as Jules points out, have flagged up, oh, how would those two players fit into the same team? Ancelotti's been quite clever with Vinicius this season. And he's been trying, I think, add a bit more variety to Vinicius's game. So he's not just a pure left winger. We've seen Vinicius playing as part of a front two. Ancelotti's talked about how important it is for Vinicius to, to learn how to move inside, how to play in more reduced spaces, not just be an out-and-out -out winger. And part of that, of course, is about making Vinicius a better player right now. But part of it might be with one eye to next season as well and thinking about how you can get the best out of Vinicius and Mbappe in a kind of a, a fluid and, and, and mobile front line, making the most of, of their pace and also making the most of these, these players who can, yeah, yeah, they might want to be on the left or, or on the right or, or through the middle, but they've also, they're you know, really smart players tactically and they can work together in terms of switching positions over the course of a game. You know, I think, I think I particularly got caught up in this, where's he going to play? Is he going to be the left? Is he going to be through the middle? At the end of the day, They've got so much talent between, the, between him and, and Vinny and Bellingham that it, it really is going to be a case of, you know, where do we line up before the ball's kicked? Because after that, it's about get them the ball. Go wherever you can get the ball and we'll get it to you and you go do your stuff. I mean, it really is going to be that simple. As I said, I got kind of caught up in this left or centre. I think actually we should just forget about that because those three, every single one of them, arguably is the best in the position right now in the world. And we're asking, where's he going to play on? You know what? Get him the ball, whether it's on the left, the right, up the middle, up the back, it makes no difference. Get him the ball and get Vinny the ball and get Bellingham the ball. And you know what? They'll go and just play. That's what they'll do. Frank? That was, I agree with TV. As long as uh, Carlo Ancelotti doesn't try to uh, also please Rodrigo, if they play at three at the front... Um, you will, you you want to be allowed, you you want to allow uh, Jude Bellingham to go forward like he likes to do, you know, in between lines because he's going to be stuck with Mbappe maybe in the middle, and I, I think it's uh, it's kind of compulsory for for 
uh, Carlo Ancelotti to play at two at front if you want to use all the tools from Bellingham. Uh, and uh, that's very tricky because what are you going to do if Mbappe and Vinicius Jr. is going to play very well with Bellingham, Rodrigo is never going to play. And you can have, like, problems inside the dressing room. So he will have to manage, yeah, they have, the, they have La Liga, they have the Copa del Rey, they have the Champions League. But a player like Rodrigo wants to play the La Liga. La Liga. He doesn't want, doesn't want only to play the, uh, the Copa del Rey. So you will have to be psychologically, and I be sure, I can be sure that uh, Calonchuri is going to do that. But you cannot think only, or only think about Mbappe and Vinicius. You have to add, for sure, Rodrigo at a certain point. How are you going to manage that? We're going to have the answer next year. Let's take a look at the PSG angle with it, Jules, if we can. Because obviously, if this is to be announced officially and everybody knows, we know you love basketball, we know you love the last dance. Could this be PSG's version of the last dance with the last season with Kylian Mbappe, given that they are fifth favourites in the Champions League? I would love to. I mean, if you look at the first half yesterday against Rajasida, they can't. Definitely not. This was terrible. The second half was a bit better. I guess the thing that could be in their favour is the fact that maybe there'll be less pressure because they are not amongst the top three favourites, let's, let's say. And if they get a little bit of a draw, if they qualify for the quarterfinals, get a bit lucky with the draw, maybe I still think they're short right now. Even with the front three of Dembele, Mbappé and, and Barcola, nah, this who nah. I, I think can score against anyone on their day. But in midfield, defensively, even the goalkeeper, I, I just don't think, for example, they can compete with City over two legs, even just over the finals. So now I would love it, really, if that was the last dance and if he could bring the trophy to Paris before he leaves. But I don't, I don't see it happening. Frank? We, we, saw that with, we saw that against Newcastle. We saw that yesterday, especially the first half. And Real, Real Sociedad couldn't... Couldn't uh, get on with uh, with uh, with pressurizing uh, uh, um, um, Paris Saint Germain like they did in the first half. Every time there is a team who put the pressure, they pay higher on the field. Paris Saint Germain doesn't know how to cope with that. So imagine if they play against Manchester City or Real Madrid and they do the same. They can be trashed because they don't know how to cope with that. Yeah, they have talent at front, but especially in the middle of the park. Even if Enrique change the tactic, put uh, Vitinha more in the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the midfielders uh, and change with, uh, with Riz. Uh, it, it changed a little bit because Mbappe scored the goal. But before that, and what Real Sociedad did with all injuries uh, and with the team who are struggling right now, you can imagine how bad it can be against a top, top team. So I don't think Joel. they can be uh, named as one of the contenders. Sorry. And no, no worries at all. Now the even more impossible question. How did PSG replace him, Jules? That's a good question. I think that the good thing about this time, this saga this year, two years ago, remember, it was, there was a, obviously a lot of things happening, but, but PSG were, were just not letting it go. They were trying, they were literally throwing the kitchen sink at him. Leicester, you stay, we give you this incredible contract that we've discussed many, many times. This time it was not like that. And even Kylian on Tuesday when he saw the president, he said, please don't make this difficult. Don't try to counter offer with, I don't know, half a billion or what. He said, it's not about the money. This time I've made my decision. Please respect it. And, and the club will respect it. And they're not going to try to offer him more or more something more. This It won't happen like that. But what PhD did is, okay, there's a plan A and Kylian is the plan A. So if he decides to stay, good this is what we have we've got him and then we can build around however if he doesn't stay we've got the plan b 
and they've, they drew a shortlist a while ago with Luis Campos, the sporting director. On that shortlist, the three players that we see on the screen now are there. And you know that if you, even if you want a marquee signing, unless you can try to get Haaland away from City, which is not going to happen, you can't, you can't get anybody of the caliber of Killian right now. So look at Leao, look at Ozyman, maybe Vazquezia as well. We know that, for example, Rafael Leao has a release clause in his new contract at AC Milan for 130 million euros. We also know that Rafael Leao is very close to Luis Campos, who is the PSG sports director, who brought him to France to Lille from Sporting Portugal, for Sporting Club de Portugal, sorry. So I think Leao will be probably the one that they try first. But Ozyman, who will also be on the market, could also be an option, even if PSG already have two number nines in, in Colomani and, and Gonzalo Ramos. But yeah, they won't find somebody as, obviously, the level of Mbappe right now, but they will need to find the next big thing, the next one who could get to the level of Mbappe. Am I taking this? Am I, I might be taking this the wrong way, Jules, but you know the three players you put up there. None of them play in the middle of the park, and none of them play at the back. You know, Frank's just sat there and talked about how weak they are through the middle. But yet, it's all forwards again. It's all forwards. They've, they've already tried for how long? A decade buying forwards without taking care of the middle of the park and without taking care of the back line. And are they going to do the same again? Because for a decade it hasn't worked. So for them, they need, they need to think differently. You can't just go and buy forwards and think you're going to win games, scoring more goals in the opposition, because they've tried that and it hasn't worked. They, they need to have a rethink of how they build the team and build the team from the back forward instead of building the team from the front to the back and actually not, not taking enough care of the back. It, it seems like they're doing the same. No, you're same right, role. you're right. No, no, you're right, Stevie. And I mean, to be fair, we, 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 we showed those players because we were thinking uh, like position for position and, and, and big star forward for big star forward. I think you're right. I think they will probably sign one player to kind of play in the Mbappe role or Mbappe position. But then they're very much aware that they need to strengthen defensively and in midfield as well. And not just with two young Brazilians like Beraldo uh, that they've signed in, in January, for example. So I think... They will have money because one, as we've mentioned, yes, he leaves as a free agent, but he's waving off bonuses. There's even discussions that some of his signing on fee from Real Madrid could be then given to, some of it could be given to PSG from, from Mbappé himself. And especially in terms of wage bill and the wages that is, they're not going to have to pay him anymore, which is enormous. Of course, we're talking around the 75 million euros a year in wages just for Kylian Mbappe himself. So that gives you a lot of options and, look, and, 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 and other things that you can be able to do with your money. So you're absolutely right. I think they are aware that you can't just go and sign two or three more forwards to replace him. There will be one, I suspect, but then they will also strengthen in midfield and defensively. Uh, Jules, we're just looking at some of the press. Obviously, the reaction's all going to be about Mbappe this morning in Spain. That's definitely the case. Adios, Paris. When you think about what's, what he's leaving behind at PSG and you think about the likes of Colo Muani and you think about Dembele, how are they going to be feeling? They've come to this club to play alongside a colleague, a friend, and now him going on. How are they going to be feeling about it? I mean, this is football, Okay, They all know how the game works. This is not the Care Bear world. This is exactly what happens. You could, this, is, this is professional football at the, at the highest level. I think everybody knew there was a chance that he would leave at the end of the season.
So whoever that is, Dembele, Kolomwani, Barcola, all of that, who agreed to come last summer, they, they, they knew very well, and especially Dembele, who's one of his closest friends, that there was a high possibility that he would leave in, in the summer 2024. So they know how it works. They've been there before at other clubs. They've been there themselves. You know, Dembele at Barcelona had a lot of friends as well. Everybody was hoping that he would stay. Everybody was thinking he would stay. And then he, he forced his move to PSG. So this is how it works. They, they won't be upset or disappointed. Yeah, disappointed because they probably would want to play with their mates. But they, they, know, they know far too well how football works. Uh, Frank, you're smiling. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because I totally agree with uh, with Jules, and uh, it's only when I play for some club that they were very happy to see me going. Because as Craig say, was saying, you know, I was talking too much. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's part of our, our game, and we all know that uh, if we have some friends, and I saw some of them leaving. Uh, and I had Jose Cobos in Strasbourg, and we were very close, and he signed for Paris Saint-Germain, and I was very sad to see him leaving. And, uh, and um, when, I signed, when I also signed for Chelsea, you know, I saw some players leaving, uh, and, and it's part of our game, you know, we, we are sad, but at the same time, we're happy with, for the guy who leaves and, and get promoted, which is, I guess, uh, we can say that for, for Mbappé the case. So it's part of our lives, and we're kind of selfish. I mean, it's a collective sport where, you know, individuals matters, and we take care of our lives, our career. We have a plan most of the time, and we try to stick to that plan. And we're going to see our friends later after our career and have a nice dinner together. Uh, nice stuff. Anyway, guys, we're going to let Jules and Alex go. Alex, get back to that late night Madrid radio. Jules, maybe to cry himself to sleep over the latest news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great to hear from you guys and we'll speak to you again soon. And make sure to be with us for La Liga this weekend. Plenty of it always for you on ESPN Plus in English and in Spanish. Real Madrid are away at Rayo Vallecano, a little trip across town there. Celta for Barcelona, and then it takes you all the way through to Monday. But Atleti against Las Palmas on Saturday, very early, is one to keep an eye on. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Let's take a look at some of the reaction from the Spanish press to Real Madrid's game against Leipzig. We're seeing as if by magic in ass and a genius for Brahim Diaz coming in. Obviously, no Jude Bellingham in this game. So it's waxing lyrical, basically, about Real Madrid in that game against Leipzig. As you can imagine, it was a completely different story in the German press from Leipzig's point of view. They were not too happy with how things turned out for them. Frank's still with us and Mark Klattenberg joining us as well. And we wanted to start by talking about Leipzig's goal that was ruled offside. And we wanted to bring you this the rule from the IFAB's laws of the game, which says a player moving from or standing in an offside position is in the way of an opponent and interferes with the movement of the opponent towards the ball. This is an offside offence if it impacts on the ability of the opponent to play or challenge for the ball. So obviously, the talk was that Henriks was interfering with play and was in an offside position when he was blocking Lunin from behind. So, Mark, your reaction to this goal being disallowed? I think Real Madrid got very, very lucky because everybody got confused because what you see is this Real Madrid player coming out and the player that scores the goal looks like he's in an onside position. So everybody's confused at that situation. But what the, what the VRs looked at is he looks at the, the, the attacking player who's behind the goalkeeper. And he's got two decisions to make. One, is there a foul? Has the attacker pushed the goalkeeper sufficiently enough to award a foul? I don't believe he has because this is just normal contact that we see week in, week out, every minute of the game. So it's not a foul. So therefore, has he stopped the goalkeeper's ability to play the ball? In my opinion, he hasn't because what you see is the goalkeeper goes forward He's got no chance to get the ball when it's played in to the player that's standing on an onside position who heads the ball into the goal. So, therefore, the goalkeeper is looking for an excuse. And for me, this should be given as a goal. Stevie? It's a fantastic... I can't think of a better excuse. Get shoved in the back. That's a foul. You can clearly see the Leipzig player pushes him in the back. Now, I don't know where this, well, it's not enough part comes from. If you're a goalkeeper and there's a guy behind you and it's not even one of your own defenders and he pushes you in the back, how else can it be anything other than a foul? How can it not be a foul, Mark? He clearly shoves him in the back with his right hand. It's a foul all day long. See, I think, Stevie, that there's got to be sufficient. We see contact. We see, for example, attacking free kicks, corners coming in. And there's contact all the time between players. Is this contact enough to make the goalkeeper, for example, out of position? Does he stop the chance to get back to his goal line to save the ball? No, he's in, he's in, he's in no man's land for me. And therefore, we're looking for an excuse to chalk off, in my opinion, a good goal. If the goalkeeper has a chance to play the ball and that little nudge was sufficient enough, I mean, then I can that. understand Seriously. your argument. You can't, but he's you, nowhere you can't, to be seen. He's, you're looking for an excuse, Stevie, to show that there's a push. No, but if you look I, at I, it, the goal, that's not enough push. We can look at that. Every corner we're going to chalk off a foul for a push in the back because this is normal contact for me. Go on, Frank. Give him it. Uh, you know what? I would say to, uh, to be kind of the referee between Stevie and Mark, um, on, honesty doesn't pay. 
in football. The goalkeeper would have gone down. I'm pretty sure VAR would have said it's a foul and it's a push. But because he stays up, and I, it's when now I agree with Mark, it's not sufficient to give a free kick. Because that's what it is. It's all about cheaters in Fran in football. Sorry, not in France. In football, and 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 it's all about exaggeration. The re the goalkeeper would have exaggerated the 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 push. He would have gotten the foul for him. But after, of course, it doesn't interfere on the on the on the on the shot and the, on the on the goal. And the, and the the, the players was supposedly offside. It doesn't do anything wrong with the goalkeeper's way on going back to his goal. So, again, the goalkeeper would have gotten down. It would have been a, a free kick. So Real Madrid benefits from, obviously, this decision. But still, Tony Cross was asked about it after the game. And he said, I think the goal was given offside because Hendricks is in the way. But Lunin was far from the ball. That's nah. why, yes, the goal should have been given. <laughs> Are you laughing? Look, he's going to be nice. Of course he is. He's going to be nice about it. He's just won the game. He knows there's nothing. You can't change it now. Anybody with, any, anybody with half a brain, even me, would have said, oh, yeah, yeah. He was on. I, think, I think the defender was on. Uh, the attacker was really unlucky because nothing can be done about it. You're just being a nice guy, saying the right thing at the right time. If it had been given, I'll guarantee you, Cruz wouldn't have said that was a goal. Oh. Guarantee it. Well, we've got plenty to get through and we want Mark Clattenburg's <coughs> advice and opinion on some more decisions. So let's move on with this goal from Girona disallowed against Real Sociedad. Now, the goal is going to come, as you'll see, from Yankel Herrera. But the offside is actually in the build-up here and it's a really long offside as well. It's Savio offside at the very start of this move. So what did you make of this, Mark? Yeah, it's, it's, it, because it's gone on so long, it's, the argument is how long does it take to go back to an, a decision that was offside? I think, was it 36 seconds it took from the, the initial offside to the goal being scored? And it's when does, the go, when does the player reset? Is the reset when the players head the ball outside the penalty area? Is it mean when the defenders have complete control over the ball? Because what we could do is we could actually look, we could look and go back so many times and so many seconds later, one minute later, to look back at something. I think there's a moment when the ball gets crossed and the defender clearly heads the ball outside the no. penalty area. At this point, I think this is a reset. No. And therefore, for me, they, they, they shouldn't be looking back at an offside that happened 36 seconds ago. Because obviously the implications are strong here. Girona right. are in a title race with Real Madrid in La Liga. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask Mark, what... what I, I understand the argument about the time, but the problem I have, Mark, is the linesmen are told, unless they're 100% sure, to keep the flag down. So that's kind of getting it both ways. If, you, if you're going to yeah. turn around and say there's a time limit... That means you're getting both. You're getting it both ways. You know the fact is the linesman didn't put his flag up because he wasn't 100 percent, and that's why I think it's it's okay to go ahead and give the offside, because no, no. If, if you're going to start putting a time on it, then you're actually getting it both ways. Yeah, I think the problem you've got here, Stevie, is it's the opposite side of it. If the assistant, like normally when they delay the flag. And then when the ball comes out of the tacking zone, they normally raise the flag. It's because the assistant gets it wrong. We've now got a further delay, 
because the, as the assistant thinks, I'm, I'm right here. I don't believe there's an offside. It's only when the VAR has drawn the lines that there's an offside being given. I just think there's enough m- positions here in the, in the, in the, in the build-up to the goal that the defenders have cleared it. Because if we talk about offside and you deliberately go to head the ball, then you're deemed to be back onside. It's only if it's a deflection that you're then deemed to be in an offside position. If you go and deliberately play the ball, which the defender does to head the ball out, even though it's not a great header under the laws of the game, then that should be a reset. And I don't think we should be going back all of them seconds to a phase that was close to the halfway line. Frank? Yes, you know, I, I don't think there, there, there is even a debate for me. I mean, we are at the beginning of the, an, an action. And the, the action has to end. And it's not because of a cross that you can reset an action. Uh, at the beginning of the action, there is a, an offside. You have to finish the action. And as long as the ball is not, get, is not out or the goalkeeper doesn't get the ball, it's not the end of it. That's what it is. It's, like we, it's why we love football. It can, it can last for, for forever. But at the beginning of the action, there is an offside. So why do you want to create a debate of something who has been... Um, who has had a fou- kind of a foul for an offside to, uh, to start. So it, it, it can sell the action for me. So you have to let it go because it's what they decided to do nowadays. Uh, instead of whistling because they're not sure, 100% sure. But as long as the action is not uh, finished, why do you want to cut it off? And it's not a cross. We can, re- we can reset it. For me, you have to wait for- until the end. Uh, waiting until the end, uh, let's move on to the next one then, because it was at the end of the game between Hatafe and Real Madrid, where we saw a decision actually go against Real Madrid, against Brahim as well here. It's Gaston Alvarez, the player who fouls him. This was not given as a penalty. Ancelotti was furious. Obviously, Real Madrid were winning the game. It's late stages in it, but was Ancelotti right to be furious, Mark? <laughs> it's interesting what Frank said before about honesty and, you know, players, you know, the two. T- there's a clear contact. For me, it's a clear foul. But because the player, the attacking players, decided to be honest and tried to get back up, he's then made the decision for the referee to think, well, I don't think there's enough contact here. Therefore, I'm not going to whistle a penalty. And then you're then going into this lottery of, is the VR going to interfere or not? Which I know Stevie goes in week in, week out. What's the high level of intervention? Is the VAR going to interfere or not? He hasn't on this occasion, and I just think if the player stays down and doesn't try to get up, then me, it's a simple decision. But I don't believe that you should have to stay on your feet when there's been a clear foul, naturally, and you go down and you get back up. Why shouldn't you play even a slight advantage to see if the player's going to get up and shoot and score? If he doesn't, then you just give the simple decision and come back and give the penalty. And I just think I can understand why Real Madrid on this occasion are furious because it's a clear foul with the defender's leg. He stops and trips his opponent. Penalty or no penalty? Oh, it's a penalty. But it is, it's interesting. You know, football, there are certain things in football that, that we know are maybe not correct, but we know they happen. We know they're going to happen. Because that challenge that Matt's talking about, if that's on the halfway line, the referee will wait to see what happens, and then go, he'll definitely give him a fill. He definitely would. So it just shows you that the game's not... It's not cut and dried. There's one thing. Football's not cut and dried, that's for sure. We're going to go to Liverpool next. It's Liverpool against Burnley. Now, this had another coach, Furious. It was the Burnley coach, Vincent Company, because what we see here 
is what a little altercation between Alex, uh, Alexis McAllister and Aaron Ramsey, and it looks as though Alexis McAllister has been fouled. Obviously, goes on to result in a goal from Luis Diaz. <laughs> but when you actually look back, it's McAllister who kicks Ramsey, but McAllister who falls to the ground. Ramsey stays on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ask again, Mark, is Vincent Company right to be furious here? <laughs> if you super analyze things, and, and this is what I'm not, I'm not a big lover of now. I think this is where VR is destroying the game. And if we're going to totally examine it and you look at it correctly, you'll say it's a foul by the Liverpool player on the Burnley player because he kicks his shin. The Burnley player doesn't go down. So is there, a con is there enough contact to award a foul? McAllister's probably sold it the way he's gone down because it looks like he's the one that's being fouled. But if you analyse it as a VR, you think, is this a clear and wrong decision? I just wish that we'd just accept this and we'd get on with the game because this, to me, is something that happens all over the pitch. Is it a foul? Is it not? Yes, no. And I don't believe that VR should interfere and spoil the game this much when we're actually analysing is it a foul or not? And, you know, it goes out wide. Yes, it leads to a goal. I can understand why Burnley are upset because it was 1-1 at the time. But this is such, for me, a subjective decision. If you super analyse it, I can see a foul. But that's not what VR is for. And I think referees should get back to refereeing the matches and making decisions that they used to do years ago without the use of VAR. Do moments like this, though, encourage players like Ramsey here? Had Ramsey gone down and made more of it, might he have gotten more from it? Well, I think at the end of the day, McAllister's has gone down because he's hurt his toe. I mean, that's the bottom line. <laughs> he's, kicked, he's kicked Ramsey's shin, and it obviously hasn't hurt Ramsey that much because players go down very easily these days. So it obviously hasn't hurt Ramsey <laughs> that much. I'm, I'm with Mark because I can't decide... You all right, Frank? I'm laughing at him, laughing at I can't him. decide whether no, it's a no, foul no, or no, not. No, 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 go on. I can't decide what? whether it's a foul or not. No, no, because, no, 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 I'm because, no, I'm laughing. Because he gets some of the... You know, he goes to take a shot. Ramsey gets there first, hits the ball, then it hits McAllister and he's followed through gets Ramsey. So I don't know whether that's a foul or not. And if you don't know whether it's a foul or not, then you can't give but it. But the move that put Liverpool ahead. Yeah. You can't if you don't if you if you don't know whether it's actually a clear foul or not. You can't give a foul. Frank, why have you been laughing? Oh, because because for me it's a foul for Burnley for Ramsey against McAllister, and I even give a yellow card for cheating from McAllister because he exactly knows what he's doing. He kicks the guy on his shit and pretend that he's being injured by doing so. Where we all know, and we did it so many times. I was a defender. I kicked some shins, and I tell you, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. So he's lying, he's cheating, uh, and so therefore, yeah, it's a foul, and uh, VR should have disallowed the goal and give a yellow card for fooling around the referee. All right, so that's what everybody thinks there. Let's stay in the Premier League. We want to give you the Nottingham Forest no penalty against Newcastle. When we're going to see Taiwo Awani tripped by Newcastle keeper Martin Dubravka. It was 2-2 at the time. Newcastle went on to win this game 3-2. Obviously, fine margins. Forest down at the bottom end of the Premier League table. What of this, Mark? I, I watched this, and I watched it from the first two angles you've just shown it. When I watched it from them two first angles, especially this one that the VR's looking at, I can understand 
why they didn't award the penalty at first. Because what they see is that the look, it looks like from that angle that the attacking player moves, moves his foot and catches the goalkeeper and initiates the contact. So, therefore, he believes... Oh, is that Frank clapping again, is he? And I think is that's that why... feeling of hurt? <laughs> the referee... The referee doesn't give it. But what you do see from the third angle, and that's the angle that I looked at, the broadcast made the save, and then he moves his second... The second movement raises his arm up, and that's what trips him. And therefore, because of that second movement... And it's interesting because I've had some conversations around with Premier League referees this week. They all believe it's a penalty after watching the replays. And, the, you know, the, what, what the problem you've got here is, is Anthony Taylor was refereeing with Jota and exactly the same goalkeeper. He got criticised that day because everybody believed, or a lot of people believed, Jota dived to win the penalty. Is that in Anthony Taylor's mind here? And then you've got the argument, Anthony Taylor's referee and Tony Harriton, a very inexperienced referee, is VAR. Does he want to interfere in Anthony Taylor to say, Anthony Taylor, you're completely wrong in this situation? So you've got all of these elements, but speaking to a lot of referees this week, they all in an agreement that this is a penalty kick because of the second movement of the arm by the goalkeeper. Frank? So I was clapping because I was okay and very much okay with Mark, but I'm going to boo him for the end of it, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Anthony Taylor, and that's for sure. But uh, I think for me, you have to check who's engaged. The, who engages the, uh, the 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 problem and the and the and the foul? We can clearly see that the goalkeeper doesn't just try to get the ball when the player who knows he can't get the ball back and can, cannot score, he's going to get gonna get for the foul. Strikers, they really know how to do that. They're very strong at doing that. And he, when you run with them, they put their legs in between your legs. He sees that he cannot get the ball, so he puts his left foot on, uh, on the goalkeeper to make sure he's going to get the foul. And uh, for me, that's, uh, that's clear. Even if I see the, 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 the arm going up, it's not enough for me to give a penalty because, again, that's the striker who engaged the problem, not the goalkeeper who tries to foul the striker. I'm 100% with Mark on this one. Absolutely, no question. His right arm comes up in the air. But I think, I think the interesting thing is when Mark says about the VAR thinking about Anthony Taylor being his, his senior and that coming into it. Because I find, I find that... I find that incredible, um, and I find it strange. Because I've got to assume that being a referee or being the VAR isn't any different to being a player. You know, you deal with things that happen at the time. You're not thinking about who you've just kicked or who you've fouled or who's being fouled. You're thinking about, are we getting a free kick? Are we doing this? You're not, you're not thinking about, oh, well, he's, he's Pele. I've just kicked Pele. I shouldn't be doing that. You know, he's... A, I find it strange that a VAR <laughs> would actually think about who the referee is when he's looking at a monitor trying to figure out whether it's a penalty or not. I find, I find that stranger. I, I think, Steve, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it's like he's a very inexperienced VAR and what he's done, you can see from one or two angles he's looking at, he's, he's thinking about Anthony Taylor because they meet up every two weeks, they discuss all of the incidents, they'll have been talking about the Jotter incident you know, for, 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 for the, the straight after, the weeks after it, it, it um, 
the meetings. So therefore, they were all probably agreed that Jota's wasn't a penalty and it was Anthony Till. And he's got down that route again where a player's gone through, he's looking at the same goalkeeper again, and he's thinking to himself, I don't believe it's a penalty. And what Tony Harriton's doing, because of his inexperience, and he's now he's got a chance to, to say, am I going to overrule a very senior referee? Probably in UEFA's eyes, England's number one referee. So he's got to be saying, well, I'm overruling mm-hmm. a very, very senior referee on a very subjective call. What I believe, and this is where the complicated VR a lot, if we are a group of referees, and we used to be, and we used to meet up every week, and we used to say, look, there was 20 referees in the room, and 18 referees used to say a penalty, and two didn't, then it must be a penalty. Why are we complicated and trying to find reasons to support the on-field decision? And when I saw that camera angle that the VR showed to say it wasn't a penalty, that isn't the correct angle to use because it's the third angle that you clearly see that the goalkeeper's arm makes the second movement. And it's only when you show that angle that I'm convinced it's a penalty because when I was with Frank at first, I was looking at two angles and I didn't believe it was a penalty. So the VAR's got to be, be strong and he's got to override senior people to make that decision. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a bit like a senior player with a young player. The young players are probably scared of the senior players, not upset them. It's a bit like that in refereeing. All right, let's take another look at Real Madrid not getting a penalty. There was a couple of decisions like this in La Liga actually close by. This was the round after Hatafe. It was against Atleti. This is Savage bundling Jude Bellingham. That's all you need over. to say. This is Savage and then just give the penalty. That's <laughs> all you is, need to say. Is, yeah. What, I mean, seriously. That's true. This That's is, true. I, think we, I think this is what infuriates. I think this is what infuriates everybody in, in the game because I can't understand a referee on the field can't even whistle this. We didn't need VAR five years ago. And referees yeah. are relying so much on VARs, which is frustrating because if you know football... You know Bellingham is going to receive the ball. Once he receives the ball, you know in football that he's going to take one step, control the ball, one step, and fire it. And what does the defender want to do? All he's going to do is barge him in the back to to try and prevent him getting the ball. That's a clear foul. And therefore, as a referee, you should be whistling this every day of the week. And for a VAR not to send the referee to the screen in this situation, I just don't understand. Wow. It's obviously 1-0 at this point and the game ended 1-1 because there was that late equaliser for Atleti. So that's why, obviously, it's talked about and it will come up a little bit more. Uh, Frank, you agree with the guys? Yeah, yeah, of course, 100%. Uh, there's a, a collusion between, uh, between the two players, but uh, it's, of course, Savage who engaged that. Uh, Bellingham goes for the ball. Savage doesn't care about the ball, just tries to put down the player. And it's clear. Just a quick one as well, because it's a very similar situation. It's Atleti it's again. It's against Sevilla. This time it's Noel Molina. It's on Isaac Romero, who had scored the goal for Sevilla in this game. No penalty given here either, Mark. <laughs> it's a, this, one, this, one, I, this one is very... This one's different, I think. And I can oh. understand. And the guys what? are probably criticised because they're players. I just find the Sevilla, the Sevilla player tries to get across. I think Bellingham just stands his ground. Bellingham stands his ground and he gets barged. I think what the Sevilla player does, he just comes across the defender and tries, I think, tries to shoulder, go shoulder to shoulder. He doesn't go shoulder to shoulder because the defender tries to stop 
and steps back. If the referee whistles foul, then I don't think it would ever get overturned. But I think it's one of them decisions. If, if I was the referee and I didn't whistle it, I wouldn't expect VR to interfere because if I'd seen that the t- on the field of play that the, the, the attacker's trying to initiate some contact with the shoulder and doesn't make it and comes across and there is a, there is a coming together, I just feel that this should stay with the on-field decision. It's amazing because that's the difference between being a player and being a referee. Because that's exactly what we're told to do. In that position, you're told exactly, you've got ahead of your defender, get across the front, because when you do that, he can't touch you. He's got himself on the wrong side. And so that's what you're supposed to do. Any coach worth his salt in that position will tell you to get across the front of the defender, because now it's the defender's responsibility not to crash into you. I think you need to add to that that the defender, 100%, doesn't try and stop anything. He follows through with his shoulder right in the back, in the middle of the back. It's not close to his shoulders, left or right. It is bang smack right in the middle of his back. So how a referee misses that is beyond me, and how the VAR doesn't give it is beyond me. But that's the difference between guys that that referee, albeit at the very best, and players, because we are taught to do that. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's even more than that. I, I, uh, as a former defender, you know that the striker is going to come or the, 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 the forward is going to come in front of you. So you know that you have like less than a second to do the shoulder on shoulder that Mark was talking about. And it's what I see in my point of view. I, I see the defender trying to do the shoulder on shoulder uh, to, to avoid the striker or the forward to go in front of him. It's when they have the contact and the back contact, the contact because he hits with his shoulder, he hits his back. And it's why, for me, it's a, it's a clear penalty. All right, the last one, given that we've got you all here, we wanted to bring up was to revisit the blue card situation. Oh. Now, <laughs> obviously, the proposals have been delayed for further discussion. This some of the reaction. Blue what? Blue must be joking, which was pretty much Stevie's reaction to this. But Frank, are you disappointed that they've made a bit of a U-turn? Because you were very much a fan of these proposals. Yeah, I think I think I've seen rugby, I've seen hockey, and I think it's a good uh, it's a good in-between situation, I would say, uh, comparing to what we have with the yellow card and the red card. I think some players, and I saw that so many games where. You, you would have given a, a blue card, the guy would have gone for like 10, 10 minutes away and uh, it, would, it would have calmed everybody, really. And it would have given an opportunity to the, 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 the team who have been offended by the guy who got, who got the, the blue card to, uh, to get maybe an advantage. Uh, give him a yellow card, yeah, it would maybe refrain him from doing, taking some risks, but he's still there for, for 90 minutes if he doesn't make any mistakes. Having a blue card, um, disadvantage the, the players and the team who, uh, who made, uh, made that silly mistakes, I would say, or, or bad talking to the ref, whatever it can be. But I, I think if rugby does it, uh, if hockey did it for a long time, I think it might be a good idea to, uh, to see a little bit further than that. Um, but I don't like what football does. I like it's, uh, no, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. It's not, our, it's not in our game. It doesn't work. Well, try before and maybe see. You know, uh, it's why I'm, I am sad they, they're overturning the, uh, uh, the decision. Told you Frank was in favour of it. Well, I knew he was in favour of it. <laughs> well, it's Frank, innit? 
<laughs> What's a lot of nonsense? Did, did, he, did he not win you over? Okay, is it, but just because it, just because some other sport has it, who cares? Just leave the the basics of the game have been fantastic for over a hundred years, and the yellow cards does its job. There's nothing wrong with two yellow cards and you're off. So why are we meddling for the sake of it? Why why are we meddling? And there's no reason for it. What we have, the system we have with the two yellow cards, absolutely works. And the fact that somebody gets a yellow well, card... Well, you're conservative. If you're a, That's if you're a you proper are. football player, you should calm down anyway and not run around just because they haven't been putting a sin bin and start kicking people. You're conservative. That's uh, what you are. <laughs> absolutely non absolute nonsense. Part of the game. You know, so, soon we won't, be, soon uh, we won't actually recognise football if we keep messing about with every single law that's gone. Are you back in Stevie so, then, Mark? So I get the cast and vote here. We've got one positive, one negative. What I, what I think is, I agree with a little bit with Frank. I'm all for new ideas, new ideas to improve the game. I like the idea that if the goalkeeper in the future holds the ball for eight seconds, they're going to give a corner or a throw in or whatever they do to punish the, the time waste from the goalkeeper. I get all this and I, and I like the ideas. The blue card can create more inconsistencies because now we're going to put the argument, what's a cynical foul? We're going to get more inconsistencies because there's Steve and Frank highlighted that a referee doesn't understand players. So I don't understand if a player is going to cynically foul someone because it's in his head. Therefore, I'm going to make a judgment call based on what I can see out of my two eyes and I'm going to make a judgment call. Is it cynical or not? If it's not cynical, I'm not going to give him a blue card. And what I don't like is sin bins because this 10-minute sin bin works in rugby 100% because it's a possession game. Ice hockey, you're 5v4, you're going to attack. The punishment is so severe to get that sin bin. In football, all you're going to see in 10 minutes, from my experience when I was on the pitch, you're going to get more teams absorbing the time. You're going to have negative impact because... Teams are going to sit behind the ball for the 10 minutes. We're not going to see that beautiful game where we're going to see 11, play, 11 v 11 fighting to win. We're going to see for 10 minutes possibly an in advantage where one team is going to delay time, sit behind the ball. It's not going to make the game so exciting. Can we find better solutions? Yes. If, you, if a player gives dissent, give a yellow card. If he does two dissents, send him off. And there should be more punishment that if he keeps doing, especially dissent, fine him and give him more punishment and then he'll stop it because I can agree with sin bins in grassroots football. I just don't think it's going to work at the professional game. Thanks, Mark. And thanks for being with us and talking us through all those decisions. We'll hear from you again very soon. And make sure to always be with us every single day on ESPN FC for a lot more talk like this. All the biggest topics from the world of football available. New content there every day over on our YouTube channel. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Thomas Tuchel on the penalty conceded by Deo Upamecano against Lazio on Wednesday, saying there was no need for him to make that movement at all. It was completely sufficient to block it. Remember, the defender also got sent off for his actions. So let's remind you of how it all played out comes over and will step on the foot here as Gustav. It's reckless. Yeah, it, it, it's reckless and it endangers his opponent. I mean, that's that's a standing leg. That has got broken, whatever you want, ankle, bottom of his leg, you name it. And I actually do believe the referee got this right. He's just too slow, Apumakana, making the challenge. So you're saying he's just too slow making the challenge yep. here. It's a direct red for the French defender. Let's speak to our French defender who is here with us because yesterday, Frank, we were hearing from Jan and he said Upamecano's always got a bit of a mistake like this in him and teams can know to look out for that for him. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, I've seen that uh, uh, from Upamecano uh, too many times this season, but uh, he's like his team. Uh, they're not uh, their best. Um, I don't know why Tuchel is upset with that, you know. I mean, you try to get the ball. Yeah, he's too slow, I agree with Stevie, but he tries to defend and uh, sometimes you can make mistakes. I think he wants to get the ball. He doesn't want to, to tackle the player and he makes some mistakes. But why would you go publicly like that? I'm talking about Thomas Tuchel. Maybe because Upamecano went public, public uh, after their loss against uh, Leverkusen. Uh, blaming uh, a little bit of uh, little bit Tuchel uh, and uh, and uh, and the loss that they got there. So maybe it's a revenge comment, let's say. But otherwise, yeah, the tackle is bad. I mean, the 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 the, the ending is bad. Uh, but he tries to get the ball. There is nothing to complain about. Yet he would have been quicker. He would have gotten the ball. But that's what it is. And uh, as a defender, you sometimes have to take a risk. It's what he did, and uh, it didn't work. And he's been punished for that. Should Tuchel not have said that? Oh, absolutely not. Why is Tuchel saying that? I'm with Frank, 100%, tip for tat, which kind of, kind of, kind of tells you where they are right now, Bayern. When Could you've he be the bigger man in that situation? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you want to get a player back for something he said, don't, don't be childish about it and make yourself look bad while you're doing it. Just use your brains, your, your experience. Tuchel's been around. He should be experienced enough not to resort to try to be snidey in the papers. I mean, it's just, I think it just tells you where Bayern are when the manager is taking pot shots like that at one of his players. 
not a good place. Well, Borussia Dortmund might not be close to them in the table this season like they were this time last year, but it seems they're a lot closer in the dressing room than Bayern seem to be right now. This is a lovely video of the welcome back from Borussia Dortmund players of Sebastian Allaire after scoring the game winner in the AFCON final. How nice is it to see these scenes that your teammates on the domestic level are all there for you? I'll tell you what, it's changed is. We would have taken them on a night out. We wouldn't have thrown, <laughs> we wouldn't have thrown paper at them. And remember, this comes 18 <laughs> months after he was diagnosed yeah. with testicular cancer as well, so it's been quite the story. Nice gesture. Sebastian Allaire. We'll see how Borussia Dortmund do at the weekend when they take on Wolfsburg, but we're all, all eyes will be on Bayern Munich on Sunday after those back-to-back -back losses against Bochum. They don't usually struggle. They usually saw seven goals, actually, whenever they face this side. But they're definitely going to have to put away some of the chances in this game if they are to get the fans and the media off their backs right now. As for Leverkusen, can they remain unbeaten? Saturday's action, they'll be away to tiny little Heidenheim that are proving to be the little engine that could this season. And that is all we've got time for on the latest edition of ESPN FC. But Frank and Stevie are sticking around to answer your questions on Extra Time, so make sure you are too. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Yeah. We've got Stevie and Frank, who's talking to somebody else. Right. Tell you what, you know when you start with, with Mark Battenberg? <laughs> yeah. With all the decisions? You're right. You can go all day. He could go all day. Well, we could all we go could on all, all day, day, just bringing up other ones and yeah. going through the whole thing. And usually you two disagreeing with him. Well, of course we do. He's a referee, isn't he? <laughs> you know, what the idea what they're talking about. Fair enough. All right, for Frank, do you think PSG will maintain rel uh, relevance now that Mbappe is gone slash going? Uh, well, it depends wh who they're going to hire. And we talked about that during the show. Yeah, yeah, they have to get... Uh, somebody uh, to uh, replace, as he can, um, uh, Mbappe, but they need to uh, uh, strengthen their middle of the park, their, their midfield with a midfielder. They need to see defensively how they can cope in a better way. Uh, I don't know. I think there are so many dark points and so many question marks about that PSG that it's going to be hard at a certain point to maintain anything. There, they are better than anybody else in the league. Huh? But really, um, already last season, but this season particularly, we feel that they cannot go far in the Champions League. To Stevie, although it is almost certain that Mbappe goes to Madrid, but if there was a slight chance of him coming to Premier League, which clubs among United City or Liverpool that can afford his wages would best suit him? Um, City or Liverpool. Listen, the best players want to go to the best teams, and they want to go to teams that are winning. I mean, Haaland went to Man City because they're winning. Oh, okay, I guess, I guess I forgot about his dad. There is a connection there. But at the end of the day, if Manchester City were, were consistently third and fourth, he would have gone to the team that were consistently fourth. I, I have a like question for Stevie. Yeah. Stevie, do you really think that Liverpool can afford... Um, Mbappe's wages because no. I know that City can but I, I'm, I, I still no. uh, yeah that's what it is no, I think I, I, they cannot as soon him. as some the first time I heard it Frank I'm like yeah no chance how can they afford Mbappe I mean they couldn't afford to keep Salah and Mane because of the money and Mbappe's probably I don't know the figures but I'm going to assume that it's A lot. both of their wages and more 
So it just it makes no sense. I, I, I don't think it's ever made any sense financially. All right. I saw that Rooney is considering taking up boxing. Which FC analyst would be the best boxer? Oh, Nadum. <laughs> Who wants to fight Nadum? No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's quick. No, but yeah. also Jan. Jan, Jan could be a good one because he had big calves, so he can still, he can, he cannot move, you know, like a George <laughs> Foreman yeah. at the time, well, where the guy couldn't yeah. move, but he could punch. <laughs> he needs need to get his hair cut. <laughs> he can't even be a fish in a race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could fight the fish. He could probably fight the fish. Yeah. I reckon you'd be a bit handy, Frank. Uh, sorry? I think you'd be all right. You keep yourself well, don't you? I'm too light. I'm too tall, too light. Uh, I think Nadam is more like... Uh, he had the spirit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm good at that. No, no. I, and I, 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 I had two surgery on my nose, you know. I want to keep it straight, you know, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, Nadam wins by a country mile. Would you ever box? Did you ever box? No. Once at school. <laughs> In the playground. No, no, we had... No, I mean, think about it. Imagine, can you imagine today? So I would be, I was still at primary school. So I was probably 10, maybe 11 max. And we had a, for PE one day, we had boxing competition. Proper boxing with the gloves on. Three minute round. And none of the wow. No. Just the, the, the PE teacher decided we would do this. So he just he basically matched everybody up with somebody who was of a similar size. Bing, bing, off you go. Did you Oh, won I? <laughs> oh, well, I used my brains because a guy, his name, the guy, his name was McSkimmon, Brian McSkimmon. I, I still remember. And he came out and he's all guns blazing and all that. And I just gave it one of them. I just walked around like that for about a minute. And eventually he ran out of juice. Hi, I did. That's exactly what I did. I just went like that. He just kept hitting me arm. <laughs> I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And eventually, he's like flagging his arms are down. Then I took over. Thanks for coming. Who knows what I've been? Can you imagine that now? <laughs> How'd you get on at school today? Oh, I bust my nose. We were boxing. What? I bet. <laughs> yeah. There you go. After retirement. Bend them off. And then, wham. After retirement, fitness presumably goes away first. But which skills remain the longest, assuming that you've played in a charity match or something since retirement? That's a good question. Do you know what goes first? <sighs> it's not, it's not, I don't think it's the, listen, obviously when you play at the Premier League level or whatever, it's, your fitness is like mental. But your actual fitness doesn't go. It's your balance that goes. I always felt it, when the older I got, it was my balance that, that, that so went Give me forward. a description of how your balance goes on the pitch. Well, when somebody moves you to the side and then they go the other way, as they're going the other way, you normally would just straight away go bomb and go straight off. Right. But you don't. All of a sudden, you hold on a minute, I'm still going this way. <laughs> you, 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 your, whole, your whole balance goes. They drop the shoulder, you go that way, then they go that way, and then you... In your brain, you're going that way, but your body's still going that way, and you're like... So what, what is it, the brain that stays then when you do play in the match Aye. later? Aye. Oh, the brain. The brain and the touch are always there. It's the, for me, it was but, a balance. Uh, 100%. The, 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 the thing is, what, it's interesting to, to, uh, to know what, in, what you mean in, in fitness. Do you mean 
the, the, the cardio, the art, or do you mean the muscles? Because the muscles will help your balance. And I think you lose the muscles so quickly. We can cool. feel that uh, uh, after, it's, it's after a week, right? yeah, the core, after, yeah. exactly the core. After a week, when you don't do anything, as a professional football player, you know that something is lacking. It's crazy. Uh, the the heart, you know, after a week, you can you can work on that and you can you can manage to to do that. But the core, the muscles, it's unbelievable how quickly you can lose that. And what what about what stayed, Frank, when you've played in games like charity matches and stuff? Would you agree with Stevie that it's the head and the touch? Yes, yes, because also you don't want to make the effort that you used to to do. So it goes with you where you know your brain, your your yeah, your brain is already to um, to switch off and say, okay, I'm going for it. No, you wonder, you say, am I going for that one? No, I'm not going for that one. It's too far and it's too it's too late, and I'm not going. So it's why you're losing it because you're not you're thinking maybe too much. That's what it is. <laughs> That's just not nice for a football player, but whatever. But it's what it is. You know, I think you wonder. Let's say you wonder more uh, after your career that you will, you were wondering uh, in the middle of it. I'm not quite as sure. And yeah, I love that idea of you carrying on doing the sit-ups afterwards. Well, you do. <laughs> but then eventually you come to the stage and you go, you know, I'm all, I've had enough of this. Yeah, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. Frank, what should be the expectations for Arsenal in the Champions League? Are they at the level of City and Real Madrid or do they belong in the class of Barcelona and PSG? I think they're above Barcelona and PSG. And uh, with all due respect, I think they're still below City and, uh, and Real Madrid. Uh, but they are getting into it uh, at the top of the top. But at a certain point, because of maybe of the depth or the, the, the small depth of the, the bench, they will have to, to choose. Hopefully for them, no, but I think they will have to choose. They want to chase for the Premier League or they want to get the Champions League. I think it's going to be hard for them to get to, to, to be able to uh, to get the 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 two the, the two of them uh, and uh, yeah that's what I think they should go for the Premier League for me they should go for the Premier League I think as an English club that's that should be the priority. You've had to live in I'll ask you both of this you have to you've had to live in multiple places due to your career which one was your favourite and why Stevie? Not Liverpool. Just. <laughs> it was well. It's strange because living in Liverpool, you're in the you're in the ball of football. I mean, you can't get away from it. And I don't know whether it was just me, but I never felt I never felt the pressure of being in the ball. You know, the only time the, the only time I felt the pressure was right. Okay, you got to perform in the day or the game. But for the rest of the week, you know. I, I didn't, I didn't feel as though I was in a bowl. Why? Because you're just one of them. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, Scousers in particular just always think you're one of them. You know, Scousers and Liverpool fans in general have always felt that the players are just an extension of them. You know, they understand they get more money and they understand this and that. But at the end of the day, all Liverpool fans feel as though the team's theirs and they're one of their own. 
And so generally when you went out or you're anywhere, yeah, people would sometimes ask you for an autograph or whatever, but generally it was, how you doing? And that was it. You know, you never got harassed, never got bothered really, never, you know, it was just like, just so happened that you played on a Saturday at Anfield. Just didn't, didn't, didn't feel like a bowl. So Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. What about you, Frank? Well, to, just to uh, to add something about what just uh, Steve said, I think it's uh, it, be, it also depends on the era where you play in the club. I think Mohamed Salah cannot get out, cannot go out without just hey, hi, how you doing? I think you, it's a different yeah, it's a different yeah. world right now. And uh, yeah. but um, but I, I love being in London for exactly the same reasons. But because nobody could see you, they were a nun, and I. I Football, I love football, but it wasn't the center uh, or, or the, the biggest interest that I had in in, in, in my in my life. I love, I love, of course, you know that acting, and so I was going to uh, to Soho to see some uh, some plays and everything, I, uh, and I was going to the restaurant uh, with my ex-wife. So uh, I would say Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, I was out uh, enjoying London because that city is absolutely beautiful. So that yeah, that was that was great. Last question. Has Frank sublet his apartment for the Paris Olympics? Uh, first, I have a house. <laughs> I don't have an apartment. But uh, um, some people, they asked me if I wanted to. It's a lot, lot of money. But I love all my stuff. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable with uh, somebody using my stuff and, uh, and sleeping in my bed. And... <laughs> I'm not that type of guy, so um, and uh, I'm not that greedy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my house, and uh, if I'm not there, I'm gonna shut it. Uh, well, I'm gonna um, close it down and uh, and uh, and not allowing anybody to come in. What if it was Dan or Dan wanted to come and stay? Definitely not. Or even more, even more, I will <laughs> put my all the dogs that I know to, much, to make up. sure I can they can bite him. <laughs> I said, yeah, exactly. Frank over for Thanksgiving. He always looks after him when he comes here to Connecticut. Well, that's all right, but you're talking about Dan going to his. <laughs> yeah, but I, I went to I went to his place. I went to his place. I don't know what he does in his place. So I don't want him to do the same in in my, in my place. <laughs> I've got some I've got some friends, and well, I come from Truen, and he opens at Truen, and every year there are there are people sending leaflets out, knocking on doors about renting the place out for the for the week for the open and none of them none of them have done it as of yet I'm, i know some of them could do with the money but it's just the same thing as frank just having somebody walking in your house and using all your stuff this doesn't feel right yeah all right that does it for the latest edition of extra time thank you so much for sending in your questions make sure to join us tomorrow when we look back on everything that's gone on in the day and no doubt react to more of this mbappe news we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 